Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text is at nine seven one three six. Another edition of Tiger Talk. We were at uh, Tiger Fest on Saturday. Oh man, that was very exciting. And you know what? It's extremely cold outside. So, <laughs> you know, dream about Comerica Park in the summer. Remember this day if you're uh, complaining about the heat and humidity and it's too sunny out and everything. It is. Think time about to think. this day and this day of Tiger Talk, and uh, think about Dan. Dan's going to be doing the uh, spring training opener in the not-too-distant future from Dunedin. So. 23rd, mark your calendars. There you go. Not long. Not long at all. You know, it's almost February, so you know, Tiger Talk <laughs> Did flies. we get above zero today? We did not get above zero today. Can you remember a time when the daytime high with sunshine was still below zero? No, I don't ever remember it like this, but <laughs> I'm sure it's been, you know, there have been moments in our lives when it's been like I know, that. I just don't years remember. Five years ago, 2014, I know it was really, but this is, this is crazy. Well, it's supposed to get down to minus 11. Have you, ever, have you ever taken a pot of boiling water, gone outside and thrown it up into the air? Uh, no, I have never done that. It's actually pretty cool. Is it really? Get out the slow-mo camera and record it. No, I've heard about that. <laughs> I, did it, I did it, I think, when it was whatever it was, 15 below five years ago, and it just turns into mist immediately. Fascinating. It is. There you go. It's fascinating. <laughs> Things to do when it's 20 below. Yeah, there you go. But the Tigers, you know, we had Tiger Fest, and, uh, you know, it is when it's... Ex- it, one thing I, I know you can uh, attest to, because you've been doing it for quite a while, and uh, I used to have to go on that uh, caravan. Uh, I actually take the bus for, gosh, I don't know how many years. So I understand this. The weather's always, you know, dicey at that time of the year. It's always really, really cold when we do the uh, show from Tiger Fest. I mean, that's not unusual, uh, driving through the elements. We had no winter, but you knew it was coming. Really, we had to think of it. We hadn't had really any winter at all. But you knew it was coming because caravan was beginning. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I just a lot of times just uh, remember that. And, you know, the Tiger Fest, uh, it, it was a great time out there. I think one thing that we learned about uh, it is that there are many fans uh, who they care no matter what. They and, do. You know, that's uh, in the Tigers are in rebuilding mode. Everybody knows it. They accept it, and they still love baseball. They do. And I think that's a, to me that was the biggest takeaway the fans who turned out for the two hours that we were doing it on the main stage, that room was packed most of the time. Talking with players, I mean, you can't, I know it's easy to come away with an, a good feeling, but I just, I did. I came away with a good feeling for the way the players are looking at the season, the way Guardian and his staff talked about this season. I know Al is being very blunt, and that's his style. He's being very honest. But as Ron Gardenhire says, there's no reason we can't win. We understand it's a rebuild. There's no reason we can't pile up as many wins as possible during a rebuild. And that's what he and his staff are committed to. And the, the reason I have probably more optimism this year, just the fact that I think you've got some guys who truly, and I know we're talking about good health, but with, you're not hoping for good health from bad players. You're hoping for good health from really good players. Guys have had four or five and higher war seasons. Right. Michael Fulmer and Miguel Cabrera that could change the look of this team. You look at Matthew Boyd, the improvements he made last year until the last two starts. 
We talked about it. Through 29 starts, one of the top 10 toughest pitchers to hit. What does he do at the end of the year? He's not happy with the way the season finished. He went out and completely revamped his entire offseason approach, starting with diet and nutrition. Matt Boyd looked great. He'd lost 15 pounds, but it was all because of how he changed his approach to diet and nutrition, leading to a more fit person because he wants to make sure that he gets through a full season and doesn't fade at the end. And I think Matthew Boyd still has some upside after watching him. But, you know, he's one of the more optimistic people you're going to talk to. But still, I mean, you talk to him, they really feel like there is some talent in this clubhouse. I know what everybody's saying about this team. But given some good health, Daniel Norris I would include in that group. There's possibilities with this team. They really, I mean, the way they play for Ron Gardenhart, the way he coaches baseball, the way they play the game, it is a good brand of baseball. All of those things still add up to a team that I think has a chance to improve from 64 to, I don't know, mid-70s or better. But also they're building some things with some, some young players with a style of play that Ron Gardenhire and his staff are teaching that I think really are going to pay off. Well, I don't know. You know, every uh, year it goes through different uh, Every mindset. year is so different. I mean, you just can't predict the baseball. No, season. you can't. You can't predict what the year is going to bring. Um, and I know it's different time, uh, you know, not to, you know, rehash, a, you know, various paths and go by it segment by segment. But, um, you know, I wrote about this last week. Actually, somebody uh, gave me a hard time about it. Uh, you know, said, hey, yeah, I can't wait to see these Hall of Famers debut, you know. But I, I had a point to make. And it was, uh, and you remember this, you and I, we come from the same time, same place. We were little kids when they won the World Series in 68. We were, our, the team that we remember the most was uh, the 84 team. Uh, but in the, uh, our formative years, the Tigers went through a, a difficult time. The 68 Tigers got older, right? Yep. And uh, they hit an apex in 75. <laughs> where they were, they won fifty-seven games. They lost nineteen straight games. Nineteen straight, and they got a reprieve the next year. And that was like when we were kids, like the only time when it was like, "Hey, really good." The bird came in, right, and he was a phenomenon. But the next year after that, you know, they won fifty-seven games, seventy-four games, but mostly because the bird, you know, had like a plus eight WAR or something. They were still terrible in seventy-six. They won, yeah, they won seventy-four games, right? And nobody remembers that because all they remember is Mark Fidrich, right? Then the next year, they also won 74 games. You know, and you say, well, that was a terrible era of Tiger baseball. No, in, in, in that year, in 1977, Alan Trammell, Jack Morris, who just got inducted into the Hall of Fame last year, Lou Whitaker, who I think we all agree and know, belongs will in, the be Hall in the Hall of Fame. Of fame. He will. Yeah, and uh, Lance Parrish, who, you know, borderline Hall of Famer, all made their major league debuts. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is right. the year that that happens, but when 1977 happened and we were watching it and we were big Tiger fans growing up, we weren't sitting there going, hey, there's the Hall of Fame double play combination. And I just saw Jack Morris pitch. I didn't think I was watching a Hall of Famer who was going to you know, become the right. winningest pitcher of the following decade or you know, uh, the big wheels showed up and it was like, wow, man, look at this big, strong dude, but at least strikes out a lot. So that's kind of how baseball can work, and that's the beauty of baseball. You don't know what's going to happen when prospects show up. And I'll say this about the Tigers. I, mean, I, was, I didn't listen to the teleconference, but I, I saw the transcript. Uh, somebody, the ESPN, sent it to me of Keith Law's comments about the Tigers' farm system. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think never had a lot of love. 
for yeah. the Detroit Tigers but, uh, in he, any way. You know, he says it's improving and stuff and indicating he doesn't think it's that good and everything. Keith Law, I think he hasn't watched it. He's watching all the teams. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jim Callis, who I know very well, I talked to Jim Callis literally every week for like 20 years because he was the editor at Baseball America when I was working for them. He does the pipeline thing. I, um, uh, they don't, it's hard to compare organizations by organizations. The only thing I can tell you is I followed the Tigers farm system as close as probably anybody. I think most people know that. I look at it incessantly. And down through the years, I've done this for 1986, done that. And it's way better than it's been in all the time that I followed it. Now, it's gone up and down in various points. But, but you don't it, think there's any question this is the best you've seen it in it, all your years of following it. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it's great. Right. Because they've been in that mode where they but, traded guys. And they struggled before for various reasons that we don't have time to sit here and rehash right. over and over again. But it is stronger than it's been. And, it, you know, in, so I don't know exactly what's over here and over there and over there. I see some of the other teams and uh, read those type of things. But this organization, I know their talent level uh, pretty well and can compare it to what they've had in the past. That I can do. It's better that way. And some of their prospects are being vastly underrated. Uh, Bo Burrows is an example of somebody. Bo Burrows throws 94, 95 miles an hour consistently as a starting pitcher. Uh, He has performed well as a 20- and 21-year-old at AA. So Bo Burrows is much better than what he's being rated. You know, I don't know. You know, he he should be a top 100 prospect. He very well could be a a starting. I've seen people project him as a bullpen guy. I don't see that. And he's got bulldog in him. And he's got durability. Uh, So he's being underrated. Matt Manning has a top side that is off the charts. He really does. He's athletic. He throws on a downward plane. He throws a breaking ball. Casey Mize is being vastly overrated for the simple reason that he's the first overall pick in the draft and everybody's talked about him. But I don't know exactly what they have in Casey Mize, whether it's the early season Casey Mize at Auburn last year or the one we saw later in the year that wasn't as impressive. I know this, the Tigers did their due diligence before they selected him and had good reasons to do it. Um, Perez, a 19-year-old kid, now think about this. He'd be a year out of high school. Had like 70 RBI, you know, good OPS. You're talking about Paredes? Paredes. Did I say Perez? Yes, Paredes. You did. I mean, I'm getting We're not going to forget about Franklin Perez. Though. No. But he, I, sorry, I misspoke. But he <laughs> is somebody that, um, you know, he's a year out of high school, basically, doing that at double A. And he was not overmatched at double A. If anything, he was overmatching the pitching that he was seeing. And he's played in the Mexican League and done some things in the winter. He's a really good hitting prospect he's being underrated so they have prospects they didn't have guys like that christian stewart you know people are kind of judged him you know how it is the first look and you know he was about ready to pop and they waited too long to bring him up in my opinion he got stale and then he got hurt and everything christian stewart has a live bat that you haven't seen it yet you know the fans out there um but when he hits it it goes so, I don't know, he's a, not a good fielder. Um, you know, a terrible fielder, actually, in my opinion. Uh, that's a problem. But as a hitter, he's exceptional. So, uh, you know, a, a possibility of being exceptional. I mean, a type of guy who could bomb. He could, He's capable at some point in his oh, career. He's going to put on the Pepsi porch. I mean, he, that's the kind of power he has. He could hit like 35 home runs. 
You know, it's not like he just has okay power. I think you know, he did put one on the Pepsi porch and BP actually. Well, I think he's he's he he can one, he's the type of guy who can one hand a breaking ball, literally flip his bat. And I've seen this, and it goes way into the right field seats if he gets it on the fat part of the bat. He's just got one of those groove strokes, and he's strong, and he's a smart kid. You know, uh, he's a patient hitter. He's going to learn from his mistakes. He's not going to flinch. So I'm looking at that uh, as a little bit better than what people think. Now, I'm not trying to sell you something. No, but, I mean, what are the reasons to come to the ballpark this summer when you have a better farm system and you've got the depth in the farm well, system you might that you see didn't some have? Of like these you say, guys. some guys are underrated. This is when you get that surprise guy. And I would say a Spencer Trimble is, is one of those possibilities, and we can talk about it when we come back. But there are you can get some surprises when your farm system has some depth, and a lot of these guys will be in camp this year, and that to me is exciting. Some might be in the big leagues. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Now, he's Dan Dickerson. I'm Pat Caputo. We get all excited talking about this stuff. It is baseball, and it's cold, <laughs> and we're enjoying talking about it. We'd love to hear from you. It's Tiger Talk, 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Ticket text is at 97136. Uh, love to hear from you today on Tiger Talk. And uh, Steve, you're on 97.1. The ticket. What's up, buddy? Hi, gentlemen. I'll make it kind of brief. Um. My, I'm not really buying the, the smoke that Alavilla is trying to give everybody, how he's made the farm system so great now. I know we've picked up about six or seven guys because we had to unfortunately dump off like six all-star players to receive these guys. But when they come up in two years, our farm system is right back to where it was with no, no, no improvement whatsoever. No, oh, that's that's, a, that, that's not necessarily true. First of all, I don't think Al Avila is trying to feed you a bunch of BS. I don't. Um, I don't think he's sitting there like uh, touting their farm system. All they talked about is how they have to get better at it, but they've just started it. So I don't know where you're getting that. I don't see where they dumped off six all-star players to refill their farm system, and uh, a lot of their top guys, uh, you know, they're younger. You haven't seen them yet, and you won't for a while. So well, they've, they've gotten better in their draft, uh, in my opinion, the last couple of years, since they've, especially last year, because they became more analytically based. Um, they have uh, traded a number of players and then put that into players that can possibly play. And they I'm do have more good prospects than what they had in the past, and you'll see some of them probably this summer. That's well, all. I'm getting that information because the way he's spoken about how last year we were bottom, bottom in baseball, now we're top five. We're not top five because of him. We're top five of who we had to give up just to get those three or four guys. That's it. Uh, that's not true. That, that isn't. Why is that? Uh, well, it's, well, first of all, if you were to look at some of their prospects, like Isaac, uh, Isaac Paredes, they got him in a trade. Uh, they got Franklin Perez in a trade, Jake Rogers in a trade, uh, Daz Cameron in a trade. That's true about those guys in, in uh uh, that are you know, would be players that you might see in the not too distant future and have some top end. But they drafted Matt Manning, they drafted Casey Mize, they drafted Bo Burrows. Those are recent first round draft picks. Uh, one of their different? one of their kids in the long term that has you know a big upside that's been underrated by these national pundits. If you were in another organization, you might be rated higher with a better reputation. It's Parker Meadows, uh, their second round pick that they took last year. 
Um, uh, Cody Clements, the kid that uh, Roger Clements' son had a real good first year and uh, was an outstanding college player at Texas. They were all draft picks within recent years. So it's a combination of a couple different things, not just what you're saying. I, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. Right. Well, I respect, I respect that because you know a lot more about it than the average Joe like myself. But I'm just really not buying what I think he's trying to hype up to get some, get some people in the seats because he knows he's not going to get it. You know, if Al's been guilty of anything, it's not hyping. You know, and, and he, first of all, I've never heard Al, and I, I don't believe Al said this. You know, and I, I've known Al for a long time, and I've never been afraid to criticize Al when I think he deserves it. But I've never heard Al. He's pretty pragmatic and he's pretty practical. I I can't imagine that at any point he said that he thinks that they have a top five farm system. Now, maybe somebody said that in the media or pundits. No, or, I think they've been ranked as high as eight, and that's the general. Basically, they're saying they've moved from the bottom five to the top ten. That is fair by any reasonable assessment nationwide, not just their own evaluation. Yeah, and it's hard, Steve, to you know look at, uh, even for somebody like me that follows it more closely than you know a lot of media, I would say that's fair to say, uh, to compare organization by organization in baseball. I mean, the rankings a lot of times to me, and I, I was involved in doing that for a long period of time uh, for Baseball America, one of these uh, things that are involved. I did the Tigers top 30 for, I don't know, probably a dozen years. Correct. And, and I, you know, it's hard to evaluate it uh, organization to organization. And I could think of some criticisms. I could come up with some, like the Alex Vajedo pick. You don't hear him talked about. I thought that that might have been a mistake, and they should have taken – uh, this kid named Bubba Thompson that Texas took uh, later on in the draft. I could point out some things that I could criticize with him, but in fairness to the Tigers, too, uh, they have, uh, I think they're an being more analytically based, you know, more uh, practical. I think Al has a real good uh, eye and a way to develop things from a scouting standpoint. He's kind of moved them into, you know, baseball as it is in 2019. And I think that's all anybody like me is saying. And I think that's all Al's saying. And if Al's guilty of anything, in my opinion, it's like not being optimistic enough. He's not he's right. not blowing sunshine at you. If anything, he's being blunt, you know, and people are talking about his brutal honesty and everything. I think that's been overly done, but he's certainly not trying to BS anybody. <laughs> not that I can I, tell. I'm not, not saying trying to BS anybody, but I'm basically implying that he is – to me, he's over-exaggerating it because he knows we're, our attendance next couple of years is going to be horrendous. Well, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, what it was uh, when they were playing for the World Series. But, um, you know, I think that there's enough of a core of baseball fans that like to go down to a ball game and uh, will identify with some of these younger players, and it might be a little more – uh, well accepted than what uh, you know the general. Oh, it's going to be like awful uh, fan singing. I, I think early last year and people liked it, you know, and uh, so I think it, it might be a little bit more like that. If say for example, um, uh, Bo Burrows comes up like I was talking about, and he pitches like three really good games, people will get excited about it. If uh, you know somebody comes up and say Christian Stewart comes out and he's the type of guy that could have a week where he hits like five home runs. Uh, you'll get excited about it. Right. Fans will get excited about well, it. Sure will. You know, so, and if you, and my whole point about it is either love baseball or you don't. And baseball is a regional sport where it's real popular in the cities uh, where the team is doing great. 
and it's uh, it, it, it lags behind in attendance when teams go through these rebuilding modes. Uh, that's just the fact. I don't think they're having trouble selling tickets in Atlanta now. Uh, two years ago, they probably did. You know, so that's just the cyclical nature of the sport, and in particular for this franchise. You know, they oh. fell behind the times, but I understood why. You know, they had an owner, the late Mike Illich. Who, you can't ever complain about what Mike Illich was trying to do. It was no expenses spared trying to win it. So now they had to go from trying to win it the old school way uh, to getting themselves in the modern time. Last year was the first year in earnest of a rebuild. And in baseball, you know, there's no guarantees. If you're expecting a guarantee, it ain't going to happen. But I do know this, that they're approaching it the right way, at least in my opinion, that the only way they have a chance is to do it the way they're doing it. On the rebuild, I agree. They're doing it the right way. I'm totally supporting the way they're doing this stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't think their farm system has to get better, even better than what it is right now. It's not the top farm system in baseball. It's not rolling where... You know, but the, it's, in my opinion, better, a lot better than what it's traditionally been uh, since that period, you know, that they developed all those great players in the late 70s. Uh, they haven't, you know, it hasn't been as good as it is now since that time, but it's always been down, you know, <laughs> you know, because of various reasons. I, I don't know if I, I explained no, that. I, just, I, think, I think you hit the nail on the head. You turn, I think you turned Steve around there by the end. No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> look, I'm not trying to sell anybody something on that. You know, it's like Al's not either. I think Al's being very honest. No, Al, I think everybody like <laughs> liking to say some some um, some more positive things. Yeah, about I'll, I'll come out and say, "Oh, we're going to be World Series." But that's Al. I, I think he just doesn't want any. I think he wants fans to make sure that he's never trying to sell them smoke and mirrors. It might. That's be. not Al's way. It's just not. The fact is, this farm system has gotten better. And with that depth, there's a pretty good chance that the core of the next contending team is going to come from the guys who are in the farm system. And that's when you go out and you add that key piece in a trade by trading one of your prospects you still have left in the farm system and or a free agent that can add to the core. I guess, I guess you're right. You know, I was trying to think about that when you were talking about it. That, like I said, I've known Al's been assistant general manager. He's been here for a long time. I've had a lot of like deep, in-depth conversations about things with him for a long time. Never once have I heard Al try to ever try to. He's not that way. I mean, not to think about it, and he's not and overly sensitive to criticism. You know that type of thing. It's, it's what it is. Is kind of what it is. I always call it pragmatic. I think pragmatic's a good word. You know, he's, he's, here's a, here's another thing that I think it, the value of having Al Avila as your general manager, his his scouting, his ability to see talent and evaluate talent. And this, sometimes this shows up in ways that are small but important. The waiver pickups the last three years. John Hicks for nothing from Minnesota. Nico Goodrum for nothing from Minnesota. J.D. Martinez a couple years. J.D. Martinez for nothing from the Houston Astros. I mean, the, that, to me, that's a really good indication that you are, not only do you know talent, but you're digging way down deep to find hidden gems. It's not the way you're going to build the whole team, but those are important pieces. And that's why you look at a Brandon Dixon who was picked up for nothing this winter. Hit 340 with power at AAA in 200 at-bats last year. Didn't do much with the Reds. But again, these are little things, and that's how you build. Jacoby Jones was picked up for a two-month rental. 
Kobe Jones was a two-war player last year and the best defensive outfielder by one measure in the major leagues. So to me, those are the, the reasons that I think that, I mean, they've got a staff that understands scouting is still a big piece and they know how to identify some hidden gems. We never talk about Reyes, but Reyes has And Victor, chance. do not forget about Victor Reyes. Yeah, because there's uh, some potential there. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Uh, Pack putter Dan Dickerson, Tiger Talk, 97 won the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven coming up seven forty five. Grayson Griner, Tigers catcher. Tigers, uh, they like Grayson Griner a lot more than what uh, you know the basic pundits feel. The coaching staff really thinks he has a chance. They're going to give him a shot to be the regular catcher. Yeah, they are. I think it's been it's been led by defense for Grayson Griner. I mean, that's that's obvious. He's but he still's got I think some upside offensively. But let's face it, his value is going to be handling this staff. And they feel he can do it. That's not something you throw onto a guy who's only been in the major leagues total of, what, four or five right. months, unless you really think he's got something special. And I know you can say, well, it's a cost-cutting move, but still, I still don't think you throw it on mm. a, a young man's plate unless you feel he can handle it. He always had good high marks defensively, but handling a staff is something that is hard to measure. It is something that is usually an organization has their own way of evaluating by how they call a game. They're, they're kind of calling the game along with the catcher. Are, is he adjusting to what's going on in the game? They feel Grayson Griner's got a lot of those things. Yeah, you know who likes him? The coaching staff. Right. Uh, Ron Gardenhire and his coach. Steve staff. Little is in charge of the catchers, and he he they really were, likes him. They really like him, and they think they he has a chance. They wouldn't be giving this to him. They no. didn't think he could handle no, it. It's, it's not something that everybody can handle. No, so it's an interesting. Uh, so he's getting the shot, and... Uh, I was surprised by that. How much they they really do like him? It's not a genu- It's a genuine thing uh, from a specific area, which are the people that are there coaching him every day. I think he has an upside. We'll talk to him at seven forty-five two four eight five three nine ninety-seven ninety-seven. Keith, you're on Tiger Talk on ninety-seven. Won the ticket. How you doing? Good. 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 Um, I had a question, and I guess it was it's more geared towards Dan maybe. Uh, and it's about Cabrera. I know with the injuries the last couple of years and uh, the frustration with that and then now his, his uh, information is uh, public. Do you think mentally like where do you think he would be with all of this, with the injuries and all of that? I think the injuries have got to be frustrating. I think that the thing that impresses is how he has played. I mean, he's had a fairly significant injury Think of the last couple of months of 2013 in really right. almost each one of the last five years. Uh, but he's played through most of them until last year. In other words, he didn't even go on the DL, I don't think, till 2017, I don't think. So I think, I don't know, I, I just think that he's probably, it's in the back of his mind, and until he stays healthy for the first couple of months, maybe it'll be in the back of his mind. But I also know that when he's healthy, he can hit. Pat talked about it the last time we were together on this show, that the hard... Contact is still very much what he does. That's He's still one of the best at making consistent hard contact. Nick Castellanos is too, by the way. I'll take those guys. And it's, it's a very good sign as he hits his age 36 season this year. I still think he can be a 900-plus OPS guy. I think a lot of people think that's probably wrong, but I really believe that. I think the great ones uh, age well, and I think he I will give him good health. Go ahead. Uh, Robbie Ray. Uh, not Robbie Ray. Norris, do you think he can end up like Robbie Ray, Daniel? It's not a bad, bad comp. Uh, 
Robbie Ray's always had control problems. Daniel Norris has shown that he can actually be a better strike thrower. I know he can be a little bit all over the map, but in terms of his walk rate, uh, Robbie Ray's rock, walk rate jumped last year, and it was one of the things that I think kind of gave people caution when he had his breakthrough season two years ago. You know, that walk rate jumped last year, and you reach over four, four and a half, and he was at five. That's a problem. I think Daniel Norris absolutely has upside. Let's face it, Robbie Ray's a very good pitcher, but I think Daniel Norris even has maybe a little higher upside because he can get swings and misses, and he has a little better command, I think. I know he's a little bit all over the place, but I still think he has command. I still think he's got number two starter stuff, and I think that's a, a real possibility. I think Robbie Ray's going to be held back until he gets that walk rate down below three and a half, and he never has. Well, I think Robbie Ray's got more of an upside than Daniel Norris. He throws harder, um, and I think they both have command issues. Um, but I agree with you that when Robbie Ray's a little bit more all over the place where Norris just misses with his command, if he was able to get in the zone, Norris a little more uh, compact um, motion. Uh, not quite as big and lanky. I don't know. I'd have to look at their height and, you know, see what's going on. Robbie Ray reminds me just the way he sets up and everything of Cole Hamels, you know, just kind of the uh, – I can see why the like Tigers were so, inter- yeah, yeah. were so interested in him. But he's – Here's the thing to watch. He's got him. an upside, though, that if he it all comes together for him, I could see Robbie Ray being like a Cy Young Award winner or something. I wouldn't go that far with Daniel Norris, although I do. The walk rate's a real problem, though. It is. He had a no five last year. He, nobody, he, That's w- his fifth year in the major leagues. It's really frustrating. That's a problem. It's, it's really frustrating watching Robbie Ray pitch because no, the ball never gets in play. <laughs> you can't be successful, really. <laughs> either walking or striking out. <laughs> uh, real quick then, Daniel Norris. Thing to watch this spring, John, I think. Um, if we lost John. But, I mean, I think that the key is the velocity is going to come, I think, during the spring. But where is the velocity at the end of spring? It's got to be 93 to 94, right. 95. He really felt like that. I think we talked He's got that a, the groin injury took a full foot off his stride. Five feet instead of six feet. That's a big deal. Man. Something to watch in the spring. Does velocity come back with good health? Does he maintain good health through the spring with no setbacks? I, I agree with you 100% on, on Daniel Norris on this. And there is a comparable there. It's, it's a pretty interesting yeah, one. That it really a, is. But um, the one thing about it, I think he's been written off way too soon. He's 25. You know, he went from being the golden prospect to the guy that, you know, has been a disappointment. It's way too soon to write him off. I still think he has a chance, and I think he could be a, a pleasant surprise for a lot of Tiger fans this year. John, you're on uh, Tiger Talk on 97 won the ticket. What's up? Hey guys, hey Dan, it's great, great to hear hear your voice. Negative nine doesn't feel like negative nine. Anymore driving around town alone. Um, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, Francisco Lindor, um, I think made his major league debut at Comerica Park. He did, he did. And and there was a lot of, I guess a lot, you know a lot of hype, and I was oh, uh, fortunate a ton. to ton, and and I was fortunate to see his debut there, season ticket holder for 20 years is is there anyone in the system that you kind of you know think would have that kind of impact coming up where you know four or five six years from now we're looking at it like yeah i was able to be there and see so-and-so's major league debut not yet i think al has talked about it often there still needs to be that impact bat i think Pat, and I defer to Pat on this, is quite high in Isaac Paredes for a reason. There is upside there. Just remember, uh, Jose Ramirez with the Indians did not actually come up as with the hype, of, obviously, of Lindor 
nor the expectation that he could be a superstar hitter. Sometimes these guys will surprise you. But uh, right now, I'd say Paredes probably has the best chance to be an impact bat. Mike Cameron, I think, right now projects to be a lot like his dad. Yeah. That's not bad. A guy with power, speed, good defense. Uh, in terms of a big booming bat, no, but a really good player, yes. I think the uh, for Daz Cameron, a good comparable, appreciate the call, John, is uh, Austin Jackson. Yeah. Uh, similar body frame, uh, definitely a plus defender. I would really be surprised if his uh, metrics and his – you know, his technology, uh, stat cast things aren't really good uh, when he comes up. But he, he's, he strikes out a lot, uh, does have some power potential, and it can run. He's going to be a plus base runner without question. So it, to me, Daz Cameron's a bit of a, a Austin Jackson type. When Austin Jackson was a hell of a player, a real good war. Look at those first few years yeah. of Detroit. Wow. So there's some similarity there. And uh, I think with. Um, you know, Paredes, that's, you know, he's, he's got a body type that there's, they're concerned about. Uh, well, concerned only in that, can he say it's shortstop, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's like 225 pounds at 5'10", you know. So, but anyway, 248-539-9797. For next week. Coming up next, <laughs> Grayson Griner, Tigers catcher, 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Uh, it's great to be here on Tiger Talk. Stay warm if you're out there. Think baseball thoughts. And uh, now we're going to talk to the Tigers catcher this year, a guy that the uh, coaching staff is very high on. Uh, that is uh, Grayson Griner. Grayson, how are you? I'm doing well. Down here, warmer than you guys. <laughs> yeah, like, tell us what it is in South Carolina. Probably cold for you I'm, guys. I'm down in Lakeland. I've been oh, I've you're been in Lakeland for a couple weeks, but you're good it, to go. Uh, it, was, it was cold down here for Lakeland. It was like 55 today. So. <laughs> yeah, well, those uh, cold winds off Lake Parker feel warm <laughs> if you were here. But um, you know, I, one of the things that's like really interesting about you, and this is something that uh, people are going to talk about. You've probably heard about it a lot. Um, but they're just simply you're six foot six, mm-hmm. which uh, for a catcher in uh, Major League Baseball is extraordinarily unusual. There's only been yeah. two other catchers uh, six foot six uh, to play in the major leagues, and I hope your career is a lot more significant. Matter of fact, it already has been uh, <laughs> more extended than the other six foot six catchers. The six foot five guys have done pretty well, you know, Joe Maurer and Alomar and some others, but. Um, you know, it's an unusual situation. Uh, talk about that size and uh, advantage, disadvantages of being a, a taller catcher like that. Yeah, you know, I wish I wish I had a dollar for every time someone mentioned my height and being a catcher. But um, yeah, it has it has advantages and disadvantages. Uh, disadvantages, is it takes a lot more um, body maintenance to you know, with your knees and uh, you know, I'm 235, 240 pounds. It's a lot of weight down on my knees and uh, I squat three, four hours a day for, oh, I don't know, 20, the last 20 years or so. So it's a lot, it's a lot of work <laughs> flexibility wise and, uh, advantages, you know, you, you got a big target. Some pitchers like they're on a bigger target. Some don't. And, um, you know, when you go down to block the ball, you, you obviously have a little more, um, area for, for a mistake. The ball can, the ball has more room to hit you. So, <laughs> um, you know, when you're throwing a second, uh, you kind of got to try and throw like a, a smaller person, be a little more compact. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. But honestly, when I'm back there, I just I try and catch it and 
and do what I do what I need to do to help the team win. It's the only position you've ever really played, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know when I was in Little League, I played some shortstop, and um, they they tried me back at catcher, and I fell in love with the position. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I pitched um, on the you know when the, when the team needed me to pitch. But other than that, I was just always a catcher. In college at South Carolina, I was always a catcher, and then since I've been in pro ball, I haven't played anywhere else. You're the number one catcher going into 2019. Describe that feeling for you and all that you have on your plate as you get ready for the season. Yeah, it's a it's a big opportunity, but um, you know it's just a you know it's just it's nothing's going to be given to you. You know you got to earn everything, and um, like I said, it's a good opportunity going into spring, and I'm just ready to get to work with with my teammates and and get excited for the season. I think we got a really good good core group of guys, and um, I think we're gonna we're gonna play well together. You know, our our staff starts with Cardi, and all of our staff um, works really hard on the fundamentals. And I think we're gonna be a fun team to watch. You know, you're dealing with a pitching staff. A lot of it's younger pitchers that uh, you've come up with and and worked with. Can you talk about some of the younger uh, pitchers that are in the uh, Tiger system? Maybe people haven't seen yet, and some that you've already uh, worked with uh, down through the years. Uh, if you, for example, if you caught Bo Burrows, what's Bo Burrows like? I've talked about him as being underrated. What do you think of yeah. his stuff? Bo's, Bo's a bulldog. Yeah, I, I caught him in Erie in 2017, I believe. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to attack you with a fastball. He really likes his fastball. Um, his his uh, secondary stuff's coming along. But I think the main thing for him is is to, to really hone in on his fastball command because he's got a special fastball. It's one of those ones that, it's got some late life to it, um, not not as far as like sinking or anything, but it's just it comes out of his hand. The next thing you know, it's on you. So he's got a special fastball, and he's he's a guy that you know I'm I'm pretty high on, and um, I haven't had the the pleasure of catching guys like Manning and, and Casey Mize and stuff like that. But uh, everything I've heard is they're very, very talented. They're they're going to be really good pitchers for a long time, and um, you know we got guys in in Detroit right now. Daniel Norris is is a really, really talented pitcher um, when he's healthy, and hopefully he can stay healthy for a long time. But there's a, there's a lot of uh, youth coming through, and uh, I think it's a good mix of youth and, and veteran guys such as uh, you know Zimmerman and Miggy, obviously. So like I said, we're all just really excited to get the work down here, and we're kind of biting at, biting at the bed to get it going. Chris, can you talk about the uh, the evolution of catchers? It's, it, to me, it's fascinating that – through high school, generally through Division One, you're at South Carolina, pretty good program. Catchers don't very often, am I correct, get a chance to call their own game. So that's something you have to learn when you turn professional in the minor leagues. Usually, was that the case right. with you? And how how steep a learning curve is that? Does it take? Did it take you a while to get no to doubt. that point? No doubt. You uh, you take your punches early. You know, I was at at South Carolina. Coach Myers is. He's one of the best pitching coaches. Uh, he's out there. He's he's still in the program at South Carolina. He's not but not the pitching coach anymore. But he called all the pitches, and I got drafted in June 2014. And first game, I I couldn't get over the habit of looking over in the dugout to see what pitch is all. And they're like, "No, it's it's all you. You call every pitch." So, uh, like I said, you take your punches early, and that's I think that might be one of the one of the main reasons of the development process for catchers is so big. And a little more drawn out than other positions because that's that's ninety percent of it is learning how to call games, learning how to read opposing hitters. And I would honestly say 
the the biggest jump would be from calling your game in the minor leagues to calling your game in the big leagues because the amount of information that that's given to you in the big leagues is it's sometimes it's almost overwhelming the amount of information you have and before each series you got to compile that information into what's useful to you and what's useful to your pitcher to help your team win because some information it could be really helpful and some could be useless so um, you know when I do my game notes I, I try and look at the, the pitcher that's starting that day and and work to his strengths and while also comparing it to to the opposing hitter's weaknesses so it's like I said, the jump from college to minor leagues is big, but I honestly think the jump from AAA to the big leagues, as far as scouting reports and preparation, is is even bigger. Yeah, it's just a little bit on your plate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they handed me a they handed me a binder the first day, and it was like a hundred pages long, <laughs> just 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 on this team. So wow, it's uh, I mean, I love that stuff. I went to school. I was a big math nerd, so uh, I enjoy it. You know, Grace, you know, the Tigers coaching staff said a, you know, a lot of things about you. Uh, Ron Gardenhire, they're, they're giving you the shot this year. Best of luck with it, and uh, we look forward to the uh, coming season, seeing you catch. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait. Thanks. All right, Grace, we'll Grace. see you in a couple weeks. Yep, see you all soon. That's uh, Grayson Griner, the Tigers catcher. Uh, Dan, uh, the, the, uh, I just want to repeat this. The first broadcast you have, the 23rd. The Blue Jays. Dunedin, will we see Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Yeah, that'll be interesting. We won't see him that first series in Toronto to start the regular season. Oh, he's a <laughs> great hitter. You know, I mean, you rarely so see somebody. 23rd, 23rd yeah, of February. 23rd, and then the first broadcast from Lakeland the following day? The following day, yep. You know, so, and uh, are they playing Florida Southern to open up the... They are not. Uh, no Florida Southern games. They are not. It's uh, Florida Southeastern. Florida Southeastern or something? There's a, yeah, there's a different team because they, apparently they couldn't make the uh, the traditional Florida Southern game happen. Well, it's, uh, you know, they've never lost to Florida Southern as far as I know, so I uh, may never but they have. do have their college matchup before the, the big Dunedin game against the Blue Jays. But enjoyed it as always. Uh, Quick Pist- hour. Pistons uh, tonight's coming up next with Kyle Bogey of Dwayne Casey, uh, the interview with him, and then Ken Cal and I will do Inside Hockey Town later. Enjoyed it as always. Talk to you next week. 97 won the ticket.